I'm Molly, and you're listening to Zetus Lapidus, a Mammoth Club original podcast. Sup, Goblin and Ghouls. Welcome to Zetus Lapidus. And this week we're watching Halloween Town. I'm Alan. I'm Molly. And I'm Max. Are you guys ready to get into the spooky stuff? Yeah, it's the perfect time of year. season. It's my favorite time of year. Pumpkin spice season, as I call it in my religion. Um, and it's, it's Halloween Town couldn't come at a better time. An iconic Halloween movie, too. I mean, honestly, it, I, I think we mentioned this last week, but I, Max, you said we were a little bit worried about reviewing this. What if we don't like it as much as people who seem to be really hardcore fans? Yeah, this movie is stands. This is a cult classic. I mean, people talk about this in the same breath as Hocus Pocus, which to me is like a, Whoa. I mean, a Halloween like the Halloween movie to oh, me, like agreed. Hocus Pocus is the Halloween movie for me. For sure, and people talk about this movie in the same breath as as they do Hocus Pocus. Which I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like trivia right off the bat about Halloween Town, this has an eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. this is well definitely watched. the. This is definitely the most iconic decom we've watched so far. Like, I think we all remembered watching Brink, but I don't know that Brink is anybody's favorite decom. Sure. The way that Halloween Town, like you said, Max, this is not only people's favorite decom. This is fav- people's favorite Halloween movie. This is a decom that has gone beyond the like decom sphere, right? People are going back and watching Halloween Town every year for their like Halloween traditions in oh, the way sure. that I might watch Hocus Pocus or maybe you watch um, uh, Halloween, or, you know, uh, scary movies. People are putting this movie in that sphere that it's a yearly revisit for them. Right, and I think there's a lot of nostalgia that plays into that. So just to get some details about the show, right? It was released October 17th of 1998, so it is Halloween time, I think. Very similar to when Under Wraps was released in 1997, right? I think it's so interesting, and I guess it's just the, like, time of year, but it's so funny that in four DCOMs, we've hit two Halloween movies. That, like, there was such a gap because... The uh, You Lucky Dog and Brink and this one are pretty close together. And right. so there's the first go of Under Wraps. And then all, basically a year later, we get three more. And so within the first four DCOMs ever, you have two Halloween movies. It's like they're constantly just trying to get like, we're, we're going to nail this holiday, guys. We are going to get it right. Well, we are going to get more. This, that's true. This is yeah, not yeah, yeah. we're not even done. We're not even done. Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's a lot more spooky, scary uh, DCOMs to go through. Including one of my under under the rated favorites, Don't Look Under the Bed. Oh, that is that actually was a scary of, a as a kid. People think that one's a scary one. That actually sure. was for me as a kid. So so anyway, let's let's go over the basic show info about this as as listed by IMDb. When a young girl living with her secret witch mother learns she too is a witch, she must help her witch grandmother save Halloween from evil forces, which is inarguably true. I think they're kind of underwrapsing that a little bit and giving away a big plot moment. Like, I feel like the fact that the mom is a witch is kind of a surprise moment in the film. And they just right off the gate are like, here you go. Huh, interesting. I, I don't know that I read that. I think that when you find out grandma is a witch, I immediately read that mom is a witch. Did you make that I assumption? think that there is a part of mom that literally never gets addressed in this movie, and I'll talk about it. But <laughs> I, I did, I guess I personally assumed when I know grandma's a witch that mom is a witch. Okay. It doesn't, like, the witch power doesn't I, skip a generation, I, I think? I think we as adults 
definitely caught onto that, but I feel like in the movie, and we'll get into it, they make it a bigger deal. Like, I'm a mom's a witch too. Like, yeah, yeah, no yeah, shit. She, cer- she certainly is. I mean, they describe her as a secret witch, and that's certainly true. Yeah, well, no, yeah. that's they're definitely hiding all of the the Halloweeny goodness for sure. I mean, then we'll get to this a little bit later. But in the opening scenes, it is very her her uh, opinions about Halloween and the sort of spooky season are well established to be kind of one of one of avoidance. So, yeah. I mean, I guess the, I guess that plays into the fact that it's a secret, but we'll get there in just a bit. Uh, I suppose the next question for both of you is, did you watch this as a kid, Max? Yeah, this isn't a yearly Halloween Halloween rewatch for me. I remember seeing it. You know what I remember more than anything is the line where there's a very quick line where uh, the camera is zoomed in on Marnie. She's talking to her brother and she goes, Halloween is cool. And it was on the like yearly promo that played on Disney Channel every time their Halloween season would come around. And that one line, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that was on advertising. Like, like every year that Halloween is cool is on every ad for Halloween stuff in Disney for decades. It feels like I remember watching this. I don't remember that. I thought it was a favorite as much as some of these other ones. Yeah. For some reason, the character, the scene that sticks in my brain, the most from childhood is Benny, the skeleton, the cab driver. Oh yeah. Like I love Benny. yeah. Very viscerally remember that oh, for scene sure. from watching it as a kid. Did you know Benny was a robot? I didn't know Benny was yeah, a robot. Yeah, Benny was a robot. They That's actually had his, I, I guess I should say animatronic is, is probably the better way of putting that. But I was, when I was looking at trivia and fun facts, I was I, literally one of like the big bold things that was listed was that Kimberly J. Brown, who played Marnie, came out, I mean, a couple of years ago and was mentioned a couple of things about the film, one of which was Benny was a was an animatronic, which is, I think, pretty makes me like Benny more, <laughs> honestly, in some ways. Did you think he was a real talking skeleton? Before I thought he might that? have been a puppet. I think a puppet was my go to thought of what Benny was. Okay. The, um, I also watched this movie as a kid. The only Halloween town I have seen. I know that it goes on to have a number of sequels. That's true. I've never seen any of the other Halloween towns for sure. Right. So, but I mean, that's not to say this left a bad impression. I just don't think that it, it gripped me as much as other of the decoms. It was good. I certainly yeah. would watch it, but I didn't ever watch any of the sequels. I'm curious as we kind of kick this off, um, what Halloween was like for, for you all. Like as we sort of get into the spooky mood, what what was your Halloween like uh, growing up? What kind of traditions did you have? Some people are watching this movie every year. What, what were you doing for Halloween? I mean, uh, we did the standard sort of trick-or-treating activities uh, as, as a family. I don't, I think I trick-or-treated as a kid until I was in my mid-teens. And then it just, I, I think it just fell off. In terms of traditions and things of that nature, we didn't really have anything specific that we did other than going out into the neighborhoods. Uh, for those, for you listeners and both you, Molly and Max know this, I moved around a lot growing up, right? So I think we, we trick-or-treated. That was pretty standard. We did some of the standard decorations and pumpkin carving. Uh, the, the classic nineties, early two thousands sorting through of candy to make sure there's nothing dangerous in your candy. Razor blades, razor, razor blades, blades, right? Poison. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. put on whatever was on the equivalent of the Halloween Hallmark channel and watched whatever was played there. Right. I think that was it. I, I, I remember watching Hocus Pocus a considerable number of times, but not enough for me to say that this had to happen every year. But most of it was just kind of whatever's on the, again, the Hallmark equivalent of the Halloween, <laughs> Halloween spooky time of year. What about you, Malls? So I lived in the same neighborhood 
for a long time. And then even once we moved, we would go back to this neighborhood because one of my best friends still lives there. It was a 90s sitcom neighborhood where everybody knows everybody. Mm. And at Halloween, one neighbor every year hosted a big bonfire potluck called the Halloweeny Roast. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and so everybody in the neighborhood went to the Halloweeny roast first, and it was really fun because you got to see everybody's costumes, and I'm sure the parents were having drinks, and we were, you know, grilling out, and everybody was having snacks and stuff. So that happened first, and then at a certain time, the Halloweeny roast ended, and everybody went back to their respective houses and started actually trick or treating. So then my childhood best friend and our moms would go trick or treating because dads would stay home to give out the candy. Um, and I remember there was this one house that was up on the top of a hill and they went oh, it all- it always is up on top of a of, hill. It's yeah. always it's on top of a hill. always on top they of a hill. They definitely have and six, I know or six plus bedrooms. I know right. you're going to be shocked to find out it was the spooky house. Of course. Oh. Of course it was. It had its own background music, I'm sure. Oh. Yeah, they had like speakers playing things. They had spooky, scary decorations all over the yard. Their house was very open. Like they had a big porch on the front that they completely decked out. They basically made their house into a haunted house. And I remember being way too scared to go to that house for many, many years and that it was a big deal the year that we finally got the nerve to go trick-or-treating at that house. And that was kind of like a thing amongst the neighborhood kids. We're proud of you. So that, that I remember. And then I remember coming home with my friend and dumping all our candy out and sorting it into like, here's all the Reese's, here's all the yeah, Kit Kats, here's all the ever, everything else. And then we would barter like we were men at the stock exchange to try and get nice. what candy we wanted. So I was like, I'll give you one <laughs> Reese cup for three bags of M&Ms and like, sure. you know. Your- Reese cups are high value. <laughs> we, we yeah. know. They're going to the freaking moon. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Stop on a rocket. It's, I'm not just rocket. giving away the Reese's cups. You got to yeah. come big if you oh, want yeah, the Reese's right. cup. We don't paper hand the Reese's. No, God, no. Uh, what about you, Mags? What were, your, what were your Halloween traditions like? Halloween was always really big in my family. It's always been one of my favorite holidays. And, um, and, and that's, you know, I, I was raised that way, I guess. Certainly a lot of trick-or-treating. There was often parties that were happening. Um, I would always get dressed up and go around the neighborhood. Uh, I, I grew up in kind of the boonies. And so then I would go to my grandparents' neighborhood and trick-or-treat there. And then we moved into a subdivision and, and we would trick-or-treat. Um, but there was always like spooky movies on, there were always games being played. I've, I've bobbed for apples. I've, you know, all the good Halloween stuff. And then when I got into high school, um, I was a member of the marching band and we had a tradition in the band where whatever the football game was that was closest to Halloween, we would not wear our uniforms for that game. We would all dress in costume. Oh, that's and fun. so, yeah, the, it was the only time of year where you didn't have to wear your uniform. And so we would all come in costume any like, and it was a big tradition. Like nobody was allowed to not come in costume. Like you had to, you know, you, you had to come and dress as something. And then usually we would party afterwards. So we would, go to the game and then go to somebody's house after. Cause you're already in costume. You know what I mean? You're already Easy like, you're, prepped you're, and ready. you're already dressed. You're already hanging out. Everybody's already at the high school. And so it's so easy to be like, okay, we're going to this person's house. And then, and then we would go and party. And so I've been, you know, uh, enjoying and partying for Halloween forever. It's I, I, it is, I like Christmas a lot, but Halloween is my favorite season for sure. Can nice. I say one more thing that I do now as a Halloween tradition before sure. we get into, um, it's a very special day for me. It is modeled after 
two icons, I think, two legends that really, their mm. words mean something and, and they're famous yeah. words. It's just three little words. It's treat yourself. Oh, um, sure. Passed, okay. yeah, passed yeah. down by the, the, you know, the, the king and queen of treating yourself, Tom Haverford and Donna Meagle. And so once a year, legends. I go to Trader Joe's mm. and I blindly put anything that says pumpkin in my cart. Mm. I literally don't even read what it is, but if it says mm. pumpkin and Trader Joe's puts those little pumpkin stickers out on the aisle, so you know, mm. and I put it in the cart and I buy like three to $400 worth of pumpkin flavored treats and I just live my best basic bitch life. Let's be but. clear. Nice. Let's be clear. I'm not blind to what's being put in the cart because there's somebody who has to push the two carts that have all the pumpkin items in them. Yeah. And when I say that this is a whirling dervish, yeah. a Tasmanian devil of yeah. pumpkin spice. It, it's yeah. like... It's like the supermarket sweep for basic bitches. And I it love is, that. it's a, it's a go tradition the, I started. I hope there's a pumpkin butterball turkey. I mean, or a pumpkin <laughs> you gotta diapers. Go for the meats. I mean, you gotta go yeah. for the meats. Right. The, the high dollar the items. Sure. Yeah. yeah, the high dollar That's items. The high, there high, are yeah, high usually value. some kind of meats and or cheeses. Like there's usually some kind of like pumpkin rubbed goat or something like a that. A wheel That's of cheese great. is a great supermarket sweep item. Yeah. Ma- like yeah. Incre- I so. shit you not though, Max. I was cleaning out the fridge maybe four days ago and as i reached to the back of the fridge where dreams go to die i went up and, and i pulled out a pumpkin butter from trader joe's half used sad in a sad, sad. state sad. very expired that was 10 months ago very expired pumpkin butter is like a preserved jelly you should, though you should you should throw it, it away was, but it, i don't want it thrown I mean, away. I, it was thrown i away. want it to be thrown away i just want to make it clear it wasn't like it was cheese Listen, from 10 not, months ago not surprised that you lost something in that fridge i've seen that fridge yeah it's it's a it is a it's it's a terrifying a black hole yeah terrifying black hole so let's put ourselves in uh in the right frame of mind shall we october 17th of 1998 the top song of the week was One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. How serendipitous. One week since you looked at me. Chicken to China, the Chinese chicken. Yep. Had a drumstick, but your brain's still ticking. It should, it should come as no surprise that this lasted for very few weeks. Not nearly as long as The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica, nor as long as uh, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by uh, by Aerosmith. So this was maybe a mm. two or three week little visitation at now the top you of the promised me, You promised me Armageddon. Oh, don't don't you worry. I've got a fun factoid about Armageddon that's coming in coming in hot. There are two. The, so so the top grossing film, and then I'll get to your I, I'll get to your to your Armageddon was Practical Magic, starring Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. Oh, that's, that's also timely for this mm-hmm. season. Uh, and then I guess the news headline. There's only one. A lot of them were really depressing, so I didn't pick those because like this is a happy season of sure, spooks sure. and haunts and spirits. Yeah. So we're going to celebrate that happiness by having uh, the Chilean, the former Chilean dictator, General Augusto Pinochet, being arrested in London at the time. So, oh. yay, a dictator yeah, that, behind bars. Well, what that, does that yep. have to do with Armageddon? It doesn't. So the actually the fun fact about this is that Judith Hogue had to miss the premiere of Armageddon, where she starred as I forgot his character's name, uh, but the one who's coach Yost and remember the Titans, his character mm-hmm. had to miss the, she was his wife in this film or ex-wife. Okay. Uh, she had to miss the premiere of the movie because she was filming this beautiful film. Halloween town, Halloween town. She, she missed the huh. premiere of Armageddon. His name t- is chick chick thank you yeah i told you i'd love the movie armageddon absolutely so the- i hope this is the last time we're talking about it <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out a way to bring up armageddon it's, every week it's three too many podcasts let me tell you it's been <laughs> but- here in three episodes and that's three too many i what she's the mom right in this movie yes yes okay. 
What, where is the love for deep impact? I mean, no, I, don't, where, I don't feel the same way. Come on. I don't feel the same way. About it's like when Bugs Life it. and Ants came out at the same time, right? Like, why? Well, nobody I, I wants to talk want... about Ants. Believe it or not, Ants was, I think, top three on the film for this week. I, I don't remember what number two was, but Ants was indeed number three. I remember looking at that and going, what the hell is happening yeah, here? When all those mirror movies came out. Yeah, yeah. So we're all, we're all in the right frame of mind. October 17th, 98. Let's talk about Halloween Town. So the scene opens with progressively better rolling credits this time over jack-o'-lanterns with candles in them and boy do we not realize just how important that image and scene are going to be as the movie continues uh some with, good foreshadowing until this moment when i was reading my notes i remember looking thinking about this and going back down to the sort of the end of the film going wow if that's intentional that's actually low-key brilliant for a for a decom yeah they did uh, good where we have the rolling opening credits and the scene, the, the movie sort of opens on the celebration of Halloween in this small town. Not Halloween town. No, regular. No. Right. Regular small town. town. Small Normal town, town America. Small town America. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. you if you have any interest. Jamestown. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's the place. I don't know that it is. I just picked like a... <laughs> you could be John Town. You could be Sally Town. You know, like, I'm just picking an American name. Anywhere yeah, Town. Yep, James Anywhere Town. Anywhere, anywhere, it's in Anywhereville. Um, so, but we open at, with an argument occurring with the the mom, Gwen. Or, so Gwen's children, Marnie, Dylan, and Sophie, are in the middle, midst of an argument about celebrating halloween yeah because they're not allowed to like trick-or-treat or, treat or do allowed. anything it yeah. sucks they're in a poppin neighborhood too yeah. like there are kids everywhere trick-or-treating sophie looks out wanting nothing more than to uh, announcing the arrival of every person somebody's coming and they're not allowed to and i all i could think was like it is hard for me to imagine. I know that there are families that don't participate in Halloween, like, you know, live your best life. But it's hard for me to imagine being a kid in a bustling neighborhood and watching everyone else participate in a shared experience and not being allowed to do that. That's got to be hard. It made me really sad for them. Yeah. And it was another classic um like 90s parenting trope where it was I'll tell you when you're older. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, that as is the answer for why they can't do it. It's also another classic 90s trip where the kid says something to the effect of, but mom and or dad, I'm 13. And I'm like, I'm an adult. That's, that's like that's on the other side of ridiculous. Like you are not an adult that you're 13 years old. Yeah. Right. Like not not applicable here. I, I want to bring up two main points here before we get to the greatest character entering um, one. Kimberly J. Brown, who plays Marnie. She has entered the community theater. We are going to see her her multiple times. Yep. Uh, And two, I think let's go ahead and chalk up the single parent counter up another one because we're very quickly realized that uh, dad is dead. It's unclear, but I think yes. I wrote dead parent shocking in my notes, but... Yeah, Dad's because they're there. like, it makes mom sad when he we talk. There are still pictures of him as a kid of divorce. Probably no photos of dad. Uh, agreed. If, uh, agreed. Yeah, probably not. You know, I'm just going to like, there were, there were no photos of my other parent, you know? I The thing that was unclear to me, and like, they don't go into detail, and I don't know that they need to because we know the premise of the movie, but Marnie says, you always keep us in a bubble, you don't trust us, something of that nature. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I wonder is like, is this, you're not allowed to go out on Halloween, or is this like, they're not allowed to go out, period. Right, that's unclear. Like, it is, 
talks about it. Marnie talks, and Marnie's a brat to her mom, but like, oh, big time. What she says is basically like, you always keep us in a bubble. You don't trust your kids. You don't allow us to do anything. And so it feels like this goes beyond Halloween. They're like, they're just not allowed to live. Which is weird because she specifically says Halloween makes mom sad because she and dad like met on Halloween or got yeah, married on Halloween, Halloween or something. Yeah, so yeah. Halloween you're kind party. of being told both things like yeah they're set she's they're not allowed to do halloween because it's halloween but also you're right marnie makes it feel like they're not allowed it's to not do a halloween anything. thing she's a, like, just an overprotective just mom. protected in general right yeah like, we, we have a helicopter mom situation perhaps. i have to say though i don't like marnie i don't think she's a like the most likable character in this movie i was also a brat as a 13 year old girl so sure yeah, well yeah, yeah. I, I mean, definitely. I don't think it's a. It's certainly not a Brink situation where I just like think Marnie <laughs> is the villain. Uh, I think Marnie is a finely written thirteen-year-old girl who is wanting and passionate about something. Mom is without reason allowing her to do that mm-hmm. and like not allowing her to do seemingly normal yeah. teenage things. But so I, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's just it, that line was curious to me because we are focusing on Halloween in this moment. And this is going to get into something I feel about mom later, which is we never really, I, I'm just going to plant the seed and we can continue to talk about it. We never find out why mom resents any of this stuff, right? Absolutely. Like they never address why mom is so against where she's from and Halloween town. Like I get that you married a mortal. I understand. But like, I don't want to share any of this. I don't want them to know about it. I don't want to acknowledge it. I don't want like, there's clearly resentment and they never talk about it. That was one thing that I, I actually have a note about because I was waiting for somebody to acknowledge it or ask the question of Gwen. And at the very least, you would think that the next character who's introduced here would ask something or shed some light. Uh, and that's Aggie Cromwell, who is the grandmother character who shows up a la Mary Poppins. In fact, I, it's like a Mary Poppins meets Miss Frizzle. No, it's, yeah, it's a, it is. literally I was really reading through trivia. It is a direct corollary. It is 100% that that is what the writers were going for. She comes in on a flying school bus, but then she has this magic carpet bag that has like, it never ends and she can pull everything out of it. And I think we obviously have to point out that she's played by the wonderful Debbie Reynolds. The queen. Which, rest in peace, but like a heavy hitter actress to be in a Disney Channel original movie. Like, I mean, but I'm kind of noticing, I mean, not that these two act, maybe they're not on the same level, but we're no, I'm noticing that as a trend a bit, right? Like we had uncle Phil in you lucky dog who felt out of place for that movie, right? Like it right. felt like really a decom uncle Phil, like you've just been on this massively successful television show. That's a part of the zeitgeist, right? Like it seems that they often will take this strategy. It's mostly community theater. And then they go in hard for one actor. They pull in one person to be the like special guest, uh, who's going to drive plot narrative, right? Or, or the and more so than plot narrative. How do we get eyes on this? Right. Who maybe are not on who maybe are not going to regularly watch a Disney Channel or a movie. How can we maybe pull somebody in who's, hey, Debbie Reynolds is in this thing. It's got to be good. I, I think that in mainstream movies, I would agree. But I don't think kids know who the hell Debbie Reynolds is. Maybe a kid I, think that, I think that these big actors and actresses are often in the role of driving the plot. And so I think when you've got this community theater approach of what I will call out are probably fairly green actors having a really seasoned performer there that can sort of 
keep things moving forward and can help them along the way. Not that, like Kirk Cameron's obviously been in a lot of stuff for right. Uncle Phil to be there, but I mean, Debbie Reynolds comes in as the main, she's going to give the exposition. She's going to introduce the world. She's going to be the one that shows you Halloween town. I mean, she's the guide, right? Like, oh, for sure. and they she, give that to a veteran actress. So they, that they can trust with that. Like, Hey, please, please just make sure we are moving in the, in a direction. I think yeah. it may also be a thing where Disney is, all about family entertainment and so it may be a thing of like parents you might want to watch this with your kids now because you recognize this person from yeah. something else aggie shows she's up she's the best character she's the best character oh, in the film for sure aggie yeah, no, aggie not close right aggie appears makes her way to gwen's house here's where i got confused because gwen seemed surprised that aggie was there but then in the next beat said something to the effect of it happens every year, right? Like the, the, she's always here around Halloween time or that's like the cadence of the visit has something to do with the holiday, right? Yeah, um, and later they'll establish she can only cross over on Halloween. So like, right. yeah, I agree. It shouldn't be a surprise. Right, like why Why is Gwen surprised? And then obviously we get we get the interactions where, where Aggie is the... The favorite grandparent, the person who brings all the candy treats, the person who brings Halloween with her, even when the kids aren't able to go out and celebrate in the world, which is obviously why she is beloved. And this is when we begin to learn something that I think is frankly quite terrifying. And that is Marnie is heavily into the occult. She is, she is heavily into the occult. I mean, good for her. I, I was into weird stuff when I was a kid. I, a, a lot of people would say the same thing because I was playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was 10 years right, old. Right, so satanic like, panic. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I, good for Marnie, man. She's into something weird and quirky and I dig that. You you know, know, I, she, knows, she knows what she likes. That's, that's and by I the mean. way, she's well-educated about it. You know what I mean? Like, right. a, Aggie shows her some, some hieroglyphics and she's like, boom, dead scrolls. And I'm like, all right, Marnie, I see you. Like, she, she knows her stuff. But it's also at this point that we have to make sure we establish that the middle brother is the nerd. Oh, that's Dylan. right. Dylan is that's Gilbert. Right. And we have to establish that the younger sister is just kind of like the cute little sister who is there to be cute, but she's really there for more. We're going to learn more about Sophie in a little bit. Cast us in those roles, please. Which one of us is Marnie? Which one of us is Sophie? Which one of us is Dylan? I, I think we know which this. one of us I don't is Dylan. Well, we know who Dylan is. Don't I don't want to do this exercise. We know who Dylan is. This is not fun for me. I... Like, uh, Dylan sucks, guys. <laughs> uh, Dylan becomes a warlock. He comes around. And then goes into denial about it. He's yeah. like, I couldn't be me as I have sparks it, he coming has out of logic, my hand. And I You're think... right. You're right. There's no self-doubt at this table. Um, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't be you. I uh, <laughs> love you. Um, uh, so, Molly, the real question <laughs> yeah. is which one of us is Marnie and which one of us is Sophie? Because we I, know, I agree we know who Dylan is. I could make arguments both ways for both of us. Maybe, you know, we we, we are we are two Cromwell witches is all I'll say. <laughs> That's you know, what I'm like, saying. We are we are both. We, one is just an older version of the other, really. Sophie is sort of like aloof a little bit. You know, she's just a kid, I guess. She's you know she's just happy to be there. She doesn't really know why things are happening. I I don't know. It's it, I agree that we could flip flop. I think depending on the day. I, like, I was about to say it's tough for me to think of about either of you in one of those roles because at any given time you both swap those hats pretty consistently and i just get like the more i think about it the more i'm like there are times where molly is marnie and there are times when max is marnie sophie is more quiet and reserved though no less integral and marnie is outspoken and loud but they trade off those roles like well, pretty consistently i think when it comes to us though sophie is it's not that sophie's quiet she's like the cute comic relief and so it, de it depends what we're talking about 
Yeah. If we're talking about Harry Potter, I'm Marnie being like knowing the hieroglyphics and you're yeah. th- the comic relief saying Moaning Myrtle is your favorite character. Right. <laughs> but if we're talking about... I don't know why that's funny. I love... I'm Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> if we're talking about games or sure. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, certain thi- Star Wars or whatever, something that funny. you're more the expert on it, flip-flops. Yeah, because then that I'm seems co- fair. Yeah, that's so, super fair. The important thing... Is that we know Alan's Dillon. Yeah, that's right. Alan is Dillon. All right. All right. All right. I love this bit. It's great. It's the best. It's so good. Okay. So we go to the. So so they. Are you okay? I'm Dillon. I'm Dillon. I'm I'm having this moment. I'm I'm fine. I'm not feeling feelings at all. You're gonna be all right. I'm gonna be good. I'm fine. It's it's okay. You know what? So is Dillon. He he was having a hard time expressing his too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure was. So Aggie and Gwen are having a heated conversation after the kids go to bed. And Gwen is like, no witch training. And this is the first time you get introduced to the fact that there are indeed witches, of which Aggie and Gwen are, as is Marnie. And it also explains a moment that we experienced with Sophie a little bit earlier when she desperately wants a cookie, and we all watch that cookie levitate. Fly. Yeah, it flies. Matilda style. Gwen I wanna, it. Aggie says the following quote, which I feel like people use a lot. They, they live, laugh, love this one. Oh, God. <laughs> and she says... Being normal is vastly overrated. Yeah. And that is a quote you will see a lot on, uh, you know, a aim. Oh, that's on an Etsy. Go, that's on an Etsy shop To go, sure. you know, away screen. An away message. Yeah, yeah. An aim away message or perhaps a, a MySpace tagline. But yeah, that I wrote that down because I remember them playing that line a lot. The kids are sent to bed. There's this heated debate. And then Aggie is sent to go up and read a bedtime story. Aggie, With the explicit extraction of not telling them anything about correct. Halloween, where she's from. Where she's from. And it's important yeah. to note that it's established in this heated conversation that Marnie's witch powers will go away by the end of Halloween. Yeah. Because, because she's 13. 13th. Yeah. Yeah. So she has Halloween. mere hours left of witchness. Aggie enters the kid's room and she settles in to read a story. Then Dylan enters under the guise of asking if they've set their thermostat to 68 degrees, which Cold. I wrote a note of like, what the hell, Dylan? That is a, that's an ice. What are you doing? It's chilly what morning. is Gwen's electricity bill? Now I will say, uh, probably, probably not high. So I, I'm just going to say this. Uh, I know you currently living in Florida. So the idea of having a 68 degree house is, uh, and, uh, you imagine that as your electricity bill. I think that I am to assume I am imagining this to be a Northern town, it is. New England town, and it's probably cold outside. And so this is keeping the house. The heater is on, but not too high. Uh, right. This is, uh, I'll tell you, like in Tennessee, when I go home to visit my dad, while I think 68 is a little chilly, that's pretty normal, to be honest, because it'll be 30 degrees outside or 20 degrees outside and keeping it at 68. That is your electricity. But if you went higher, it'd be even more. This now makes more sense because I actually have this bit of trivia written down is that uh, they originally filmed Halloween Town in St. Helens, Oregon. So that actually corroborates your story. So it's chilly willy there. Uh, Chilly willy. So he comes in under the guise of saying, hey, make sure your thermostats are set to what is a normal temperature for St. Helens, Oregon. Marnie calls him out immediately and saying, like, if you want to listen to the story, bro, just get in here and listen to the story. Dylan obliges and they all sit down and we witness Aggie immediately and blatantly go against the wishes that she has already agreed to by Gwen by telling them the story of Halloween Town. Where yeah. werewolves, witches, and goblins are all real and fantastical. I have one problem with this scene. I bet it's the same problem I have. Go on. 
This is the introduction of the world to us. This is how they in universe introduce us to the idea of Halloween Town. That's all perfect. My issue with this scene is that Aggie tells the story by producing a book that is a picture book. And she's gonna tell about Halloween Town. And when she produces the book, Marnie, the 13 year old kid is like, oh my God, a book and needs this picture book that looks like it's the reading level of Sophie. And is like a book about monsters and is flipping the pages. There's a werewolf and a Frankenstein and is losing her damn mind over a picture book <laughs> that looks like it is written for a five-year-old. It is not like, I mean, this is Marty who has just been talking about the hieroglyphics in the Dead Sea Scrolls. This isn't like the dungeon master's guide to Halloween town where she's got all the <laughs> lore and the, and the, you know, all the history. It's a freaking picture book that she got at the scholastic book fair. And she also <laughs> bought a dragonfly toy, you know, like it is, it, she got it those is, erasers, man. Marty is 13 years old, girl. Like, what are you doing? Like, okay, what? that is not the same problem I have with this scene. Well, what's your problem? Because I agree that with Max, this is a this that is, is like a problem. Now that you say that, but me. I couldn't get past something else. It's that Grandma makes things appear in the book as they're reading it, and she makes a girl, a brunette uh, yes. girl, fly Definitely on a broomstick, Marnie. and she's like, "Wait a minute, that looks just like me." And by no, the way, no, it doesn't. It's a no, white it girl it's with a dark hair. White, it's a generic white brunette. It looks like you could have drawn a caricature of her. Like she's got a pretty unique face, Like, but they'd get an emoji of a brunette and put it in there. And, Mar and Marty's like, is, is that me? Like, Well, Sophie not, says it first. She's like, that's Marnie. And right. for a five-year-old, okay. But like, yeah, again, <laughs> 13. No, it doesn't look like you. Get over yourself. No. So that's uh that's what I wrote. Then we then we get to see some I think pretty good magic from grandma when she turns mom's putting leftover chicken into the refrigerator into Tupperware and grandma's like, "You know it stays better if you put it back on the chicken." And she like snaps her fingers and a chicken appears where the yeah. fried chicken used to be. And I was like, that's some pretty good magic. Well, you know, chicken always keeps when it's fresh. Yeah. Right, you you can't have chicken keep when it's not fresh. And, well, the, and then she makes she converts all the chicken in the freezer to be real chickens as that's well. That's true. Right. To piss the mom off, and yeah. I love that amount of it is that, that, Bonk. Is, that is just so much pettiness packed into one magical event, and I love it. Aggie leaves. It's the end of her time in Halloween. Uh, but as is a trope that we've now had in two films in a row, both Brink and now in Halloween Town, the young protagonists sense a need to we've we've got i've got to go i can't be at the house anymore there's something here waiting for me outside these doors for brink it's more obviously andy brink brinkerton overhearing the problems of his family for marnie she's just like fuck this i don't want to be here no, anymore. for marnie it's i'm supposed to be a damn witch yeah, she I'm heard be a witch. she overheard the conversation it's like i'm i'm supposed to be a witch which there also is a conversation as they're sneaking out to follow grandma. There's a there's a conversation that happens that I took note of where they say it's Marnie talking to her brother, I believe. And they're talking about how mom won't let us talk about, watch or read anything that has magic in it. And I thought to myself that maybe the greatest twist in all of human history would be if every parent that didn't let their kid read Harry Potter because it was evil 
and because it had magic in it, was actually a witch or a wizard. Oh like, my God. What an incredible twist. Wow. That if every parent that's like, no, Harry Potter is evil, it's got magic in it, they're all actually secret witches. Like that would be, what a twist, you know? You've just brought something up to me, and that's, by this point, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets were out. They weren't allowed to read them. And That's now I'm true. really sad for these kids. I was, I'm more sad man. than the fact that they couldn't go trick-or-treating. Abuse. <laughs> they sneak out of the home. And before they sneak out of the home, I am going to run to the bathroom because I'm going to pee my pants. So I'm going to be right back. Nice. Keep this welcome, in the Hannah. podcast. <laughs> keep Hell it in yeah. There. Literally keeping it. You could have been listening to Molly tell me about the intricacies of calendar maintenance for project management. You could have listened to Alan P. Instead, we bring you this reminder of Mammoth Club Patreon. If you like Zetus Lapidus and want more exclusive content, become a patron. You can get access to things like special podcast episodes, watch party invites, Mammoth Mail, and more. Visit patreon.com slash mammothclub to get access to more nonsense today. Fresh off his pee break, it's Alan. So naturally, the decision is to run away. And Dylan, I actually wrote this down because Dylan hits, hits with a classic 90s line of, I'm the man in the house, so I'm coming with you. Which Dang made me Dylan. audibly groan. In what has to be the least, I mean, it, it's clearly the most sneaky escapade known to man. Get on the bus to Halloween Town with nobody the wiser. Well, I think nobody they sneak knows. in the back. Yeah, they right? sneak in the back they don't, door. They don't actually go in the front door, which is good. But yeah, they sneak in the back. And I <laughs> did imagine? write down that I feel like Disney saved money on this scene. Because they were like, we got to put a bunch of different monsters and creepies and ghoulies on this bus. Because this is how people get from the real world to Halloween Town. I yeah. think they just took the costumes from Marshall's bedroom and under wraps. Oh my God, I literally wrote the same thing. I was like, this is Marshall's bedroom on display. This yeah. bus also, is Marshall's bedroom. Molly, if, if, if you think that this is the only indication that Disney saved money, the costumes of Halloween Town, we have not oh landed yet, but we get the first God. taste here. The costumes of Halloween Town are insane. Oh, because for sure. they are... So it's it's nothing but a mask and normal clothes. So, so often funny. they have draped a hoodie or something around the neck to not show the back of the mask. <laughs> and my favorite is when, and I actually think it's the same demon face that we see on the bus, who, by the way, references Jerry Springer. Oh my but, God, I wrote that down too. But, but we see this demon face Later in Halloween Town, broad daylight, the demon head walks by and then just white people arms. Nothing on them. There's, it's, it is the demon's head, a bowling shirt, and normal human arms walking through Halloween Town in broad daylight. And I was like, got it. Kyle, oh I, I understand I the budget of this movie right I now. Go rewatch that. That's incredible. It is. It is, I, I mean, it is an unbelievable, I was like, uh, I love, that. I love everything you're saying right now. <laughs> and, and, and this is actually when Dylan's sort of denial spiral begins, right? I think we have Dylan begin the process on this bus ride going through just brilliant graphical representations of traveling through dimensions and space, uh, begins to try to legitimize everything in some way, shape or form, always tying back to somehow him being asleep and this all being a dream. Through thick and thin, they all land in Halloween Town. Everybody hops off the bus. Um, and as Dylan and Marnie hop off the bus, surprise, surprise, guess who followed them? 
Sophie. Sophie. We need Sophie. We got to have Sophie. Sophie. Uh, and then they she's begin... the second best character of this movie. I agree. Oh, for sure. Aggie number one, Sophie second. Oh, absolutely. We're about to meet number three, though. So they hop off the bus, begin looking for Aggie because Aggie has left to go back to her home. And this is when we are introduced to Calabar. He is my third favorite character. He immediately gave me, he's the mayor. He's the mayor of Halloween Town. And he immediately gave me big vibes of Larry Vaughn, the mayor in Jaws. Ooh, yeah. And or the mayor in Stranger Things, who's played by Wesley from Princess Bride. Sleazeball, too silky smooth. Yeah. Immediately don't trust this guy. And then they bring up who they are and they say their last name and he mentions their mom. And I wrote, the mayor definitely fucked their mom. Oh, 100%. for sure. They were they were an item. Yeah. He had a feeling when he, she, they brought up their last name. He's like, Gwen, Gwen's yeah, yeah, kids? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was that one and eyebrow I was like, raise. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I remember when she was a little witch about town, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Double, double, toil and trouble indeed, you know what I'm yeah. saying? You know what they say town. in Mean Girls about what Halloween means for for girl. I mean, Halloween's every day in Halloween Town. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Are you saying that she wrote his broomstick? Yes. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I am saying that. Yeah. Wanting Calabar wanting to connect these kids with uh, Aggie Cromwell calls the cab driven by the previously discussed animatronic Benny Ske- uh, Benny the Skeleton takes the kids to meet with Aggie. Along the way, I think Benny just plays the functional role of like, I'm going to make a bunch of puns about being a skeleton driving a cab and then make no really, bones really about it. Yeah, it makes some great. Yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> God, Max. And they make their way to uh, Aggie's manor home. It's it's unclear what it actually is, but it's, it's a very nice looking plot of land on a hill surrounded by a gate. Dylan is still trying to justify all of this. And he's like, it's an animatronic. It's a robot like at Disneyland. And Marnie says, when Mr. Lincoln drives us home, we'll talk. And I just thought that was such a fun like Disney joke. A good little for, yeah. reference. Yeah. yeah, A good little joke, a little reference to Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, uh, first human animatronic. So I just thought that was like a fun little joke for yeah, the Disney nerds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is that is really good. And it also makes sense given there because it was filmed in Oregon. So it's a West Coast thing. So they'd be going to Disneyland. I thought you were trying to tell me that Lincoln was from Oregon. And I was like, no, well, certainly he not. He is Molly. Yeah, for sure. Famously. Yeah. Famously, the, the union <laughs> was led from Oregon, actually. Did or- was Oregon even a state yet in the Oregon, Civil War? Oregon was a major player in the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible contributor. When was yeah. Oregon established? Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, my God. 1859. Okay, so very shortly before right. the Civil War. Big player. Yeah. Like I said, a major player. <laughs> some could say, War. some might even say that the establishment of Oregon started all of it. Well, it did because, I mean, Abraham Lincoln single-handedly founded Oregon and thereby... <laughs> and, and then thereby, started the Civil War. And then started the Civil War from You're right. Oregon. You're right. Sort of a, it was a remote... You see, Abraham Lincoln was, was quite far away and so... added started the work from home movement. That's right. Yeah. Four score and many years later, COVID. You know, like that's... Uh, you really started this course oh. for us and we're getting the payback now. That was know? the first domino that fell. Wow. And then here we are. Wow, learning something today. Almost 200 years later, we get work from home. Yeah, God, thank you, Lincoln. He was uh, so ahead of his time. He really was. So, And all, we put him on the penny. That's it. I, the penny. Okay, uh, but first real human ever on a, on a U.S. coin. Is that true? Yeah, 100%. Okay, good for that was just a That was just a trivia question I wrote. So, yeah, he was oh. the first person ever put on a U.S. coin. Well, that's actually, well, uh, amid all the nonsense, that actually is a fun fact. Thank you, Max. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. 
Uh, so they arrive at the entry gate, find it to be locked, and then in a, in sort of like they're like, I, Marnie says, "I would like to do magic." Da 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 da. And the gate, she utters nonsense in an attempt to open this gate, and then turns to have a quippy conversation with Dylan. And we turn around to see that Sophie has, through magic, opened this gate. She turned the lock into a frog. So they enter Aggie's house and begin to. Uh, well, first of all, Aggie has the realization that her grandchildren have spirited themselves away to. Halloween town and she has to grapple with that and then in probably the fastest bit of acceptance known to man which I think is in character for Aggie is like y'all are here we're gonna do the training we're gonna do the thing and she does say that she needs help because there's something bad happening in Halloween town and she told the mom that too mom was like I'm staying out of it which again builds this like there's a resentment I'll be the first one to say ain't nobody got obligation to their parents you know, you don't, mm-hmm. you're not obligated to have any relationship or anything with your parents just because they're your parents. You live your best life and, and get that toxicity out of here. But usually if you're going to do that, there's a reason. Right. And when Gwen's mom shows up and is like, yo, the place that you grew up, the place that you're from and my home is in danger and I need help. Gwen is quick to be like, yeah, actually not my problem. Sucks to suck. And like, you yeah. would think that there'd be some rationale behind that because uh, at if it's some that point quick, in this movie, you think that Gwen says to Marnie as our main character, I know you're excited about this place. It wasn't the place for me or I didn't find, you know, that that's a very normal I, you know, I don't want, you know, your experience to be the same as mine. You know, that's a very normal parent kid right trope in storytelling and i was i continued to wait for gwen to be like here is why i shielded you from this but i have to understand that your experience can be different than my experience and we never got never there's no payoff there by the way it evaporates eventually gwen becomes totally okay with everything so clearly like the reason wasn't that big of a deal for the level of harsh sort of reaction she just says i I should have trusted you right like right and but that that indicates that the whole problem the whole time was trust, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels like there's a problem with Halloween Town that right. she doesn't want to go back, that right. she doesn't care about it, that she, you know, that there's a separation that she's making. It's kind of like how my mom wouldn't let me watch Jaws for a long time. Sure. Because she's exactly direct same, allegory. Direct she allegory, was, yeah. She yeah. was scared of Jaws because her summer job as a teenager was to work at the movie theater. And she remembered working there when Jaws came out and having grown adults like cry and scream and run out of the theater. So then when I was like five asking to watch Jaws, she said no. But then eventually she let me watch it. And she said, my experience was that it was scary. And I should have known that I was trying to shield you from the scary that is Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm a completely normal person. Yeah, certainly. I have no trauma. No exit. Definitely a normal person. I'm not overly obsessed with Jaws. Not an ounce of trauma anywhere to be found. Yeah. And it's all because my mom explained why she was shielding me from this Absolutely, A perfectly normal relationship with sharks. I know we're going to get into more of the plot, but I just, there was one little detail right here that made me giggle, and that's when they get Aggie's uh, cooking, and she has a microwave. Did y'all notice this? The microwave, bubble, the buttons. Bubble, toilet, bubble, bubble, the yeah, button, yeah, instead of like it's so good. reheat 30 seconds. I, like what I loved that. Well, one, she uses witch's brew in a box. Yeah, it's instant brew. Instant they actually brew. did pay off later. At first, I was like, she said, this recipe is from the 18th or the 8th century or something. And I was like, I'm sorry, that recipe is from a box. Like that's, that's, that's not a ramen noodle pack. That ain't that ain't a recipe from the 8th century, girl. You went and got it off the uh, the microwave aisle. Then so my next question is like, 
why do witches have microwaves? Like, is to, it to make that? Well, you don't joke. want to light the fire underneath your yeah, to make that joke because the script said they should. Yeah, yeah. okay. That, but I, this <laughs> is this is the owl problem in Harry Potter for me oh all God. over again. Right? If this world has been separated from humans this whole time, and you all have magic and your monsters. Why do you have the same technology as normal human people have? I, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, Why do witches and wizards have owls? It doesn't make any sense. You have all the power in the world. Maybe also, you should just teleport your letters to people. Like, also, like owls are the slowest flighted bird. Nothing like, about it makes sense. It makes zero we're, sense. We're not getting into Max's faults with Harry Potter right now. Oh, I agree. I, no, no, no. I don't want to talk about my faults with Harry Potter. I'm just saying it is hilarious I, I, to me that I, a, a witch needs a microwave. I do you have, just turned a fried chicken leg into a living chicken and you're telling me you need a fucking <laughs> microwave to heat up your witch's brew. Okay, here's what I will say about the witch's brew and her saying the recipe is from whatever, whatever, whatever. I think that's the same thing as when you go buy some box of something on the shelf at the grocery store and it says like family recipe since <laughs> like 1902 because you're having the same jiffy cornbread mix since yeah. 1923 i that's think that's right. the joke they're trying to make oh it's very good and, and like later that you know she will the payoff is like i should have made it from scratch right yeah. they they do pay it off later but i thought it was funny in the moment for sure also like they they attempt to write it off though max i don't know if you remember and i can't i'm trying i'm having trouble remembering the exact line but aggie cromwell at one point says to marnie humans often mortals often attempt to replicate what they see monsters doing. So if you allow that, that precedent to be established, then maybe, just maybe, monsters had microwaves first and humans... I'm sorry, you're not going to convince me that somebody that can turn a fried chicken into a real chicken needs a fucking microwave. I'm just you're, There's no world where you're going to get me to, to accept that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I do believe a microwave is magic, but if I could do actual magic, <laughs> yeah. I don't need it. If I could Maybe snap they, my fingers and make corn kernels popcorn, I, I, hear I would. I, I don't need I, an appliance, listen, right? I, but, well, not everybody's a witch, though. What, what if witch invented the witch microwave so that other uh, monsters yeah because not it. everybody in halloween town can do magic she's a witch why does she have a microwave <laughs> maybe she wants some convenience says max let's not judge her lifestyle she's busy trying to figure out who's ruining halloween town then i agree this is a waste of time for her to wait on the brew and she can snap and have it done immediately <laughs> oh god all right well i think okay. i think the real answer is disney thought it's a funny joke to put bubble bubble toilet I, travel the on real the answer is the script said so and therefore it's and this there is, this is a good because joke the script said so somebody in in props thought this up like but oh, okay funny okay so halloween town's in trouble marnie's beginning her training we learned that time is different in halloween town right mm -hmm. it's time no no time isn't different time is convenient because time it is, is time it is whatever it's either, it's either two days or two weeks if we're on vacation right like it is literally whatever they want it to be which is really nice because plot right so i like that because like a bad day like waiting at the dmv could be one second but yeah. like a trip to hawaii could be six months right i think what's important to establish about the microwave brew because we we kind of we, we left that hanging is 
We are attempting to create a brew. Wait, do you that think that light- the microwave only takes one second? Because like, you know how the minute when you're waiting for your snack in the microwave <laughs> is like a really long, painful minute? Oh my God. Now we're doing the timey-wimey microwave stuff? Maybe that's the thing. It's <laughs> so, like, the, it can be one second. I, I can't oh handle God. anymore. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've established that it doesn't make any sense. So, so we have Aggie is trying to make the brew because she has to pour it into a scepter that will then ignite that she will be able to somehow use later to pay off like the defeat, defeating the main villain, this cloaked figure who is taking over Halloween town slowly, but surely by, by possessing and then possess, uh, seemingly possessing residents of the town and then having them disappear shortly thereafter. These are important things to mention. Because the payoff for those two pieces of information happen almost immediately when they go into town to shop, right? We're, we, we are about to get a shopping montage of them going into town to get the actual ingredients to make the brew the right way as opposed to the, the standard brew that they were using, the boy, boy, uh, Toil and Trouble microwave. So they go to town and are immediately distracted by the town bully. Luke? Well, and the Luke. way you know he's a, t- a teen bully, he has a chain wallet. Oh, yeah, that's that right. That is a you dead know. giveaway. Anybody with a chain wallet is Immediate bad boy. an asshole. That's yeah. what I learned growing up. Some, he's bold the way he speaks to her. I don't know. Oh, to, to grandma. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Both to I, Aggie and to Marnie, this, this kid okay. has got some like confidence. I, I know he speaks poorly to Marnie, which I don't appreciate, but Marnie's another kid. Maybe it's the the raised in the South nature of me. I cannot imagine speaking to an adult the way he speaks to Aggie. Oh, mm-hmm. not a no shot he in hell. He is very rude. No, like no, listen. I was born in Alabama, and that like like it wasn't just respect at some point. Rather, it was it was fear of saying something to your elders. Like it could be anybody. It could be like a third cousin twice removed. It's older than you. You talk back like whoa, shit's in the fan. Uh, but he does say he says to Marty. I'm something of a big cheese around here. Maybe nah. I could show you around and buy you an ice cream. And she's like, I was kind of hungry, but then I smelled something stinky. Must have been the big cheese. And I was like, got him. Get got wrecked, him. Luke. Got Get him. Got wrecked. Him. I also like the line, oh, that Luke dude, he's turned into such a wiener. I wrote that one down, too. Because <laughs> Aggie says that, right? We're all five yeah. no, the, no, the broom salesman says that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the sleazy broom salesman. The El- yeah. He's like Elvis, Elvis impersonator broom yeah. salesman. What a weird He's turned into such a wiener. I had to rewind it and listen to it a couple times to make sure I he did, in fact, say wiener. Oh, they he continue did. to call him a wiener. Like that, that becomes a nickname sure that did. sticks for for Luke. So during this shopping montage, Marnie is learning some of the basics of what it means to be a witch, meaning that if you want to perform magic, you just have to want something really badly, which is a much more easy to sort of understand magical system than many of the other systems that have been established across other lore. And in the midst of this shopping escapade where they are trying to buy Marnie a broom, a top of the line broom, Gwen appears. She shows up. She is back in town. She has noticed uh, through a scene that we see in her home that her kids are not in the mortal world. They are out and about in Halloween town. She's come to Halloween town to rectify that and bring them home. She mad. She grabs the kids and she goes to try to get back on the bus to go to the mortal ward. But unfortunately, as we learn from the two headed ticket salesman, the bus is not coming anytime soon. Uh, And they are forced much to Marnie's chagrin to stay in uh, Halloween town yeah, she's really for, broken for up a about little it. bit longer. She's yeah. really broken up about it. And in fact, I think what Marnie suggests is, you know, if this is going to be such a problem, why don't we just go see the mayor? 
maybe the mayor maybe the mayor the can mayor. help you maybe you can get dicked down and get sent back to the portal <laughs> world. maybe maybe you can convince the mayor in a way that yeah. only you could yeah we're, i mean when, maybe it's not a bus ride we're looking for if you know what i mean when <laughs> and calabar sitting in a tree anyway so they go to see the mayor and the mayor immediately goes from six to midnight when gwen walks <laughs> that's correct as evidenced by him reaching for a, for a dead rose and making it come alive to hand beautiful to Gwen. Magic. It's beautiful then, magic. And then being like, we can go to all of our old haunts. First of all, great pun, Calabar. Great pun. Great pun. And it shows off the appropriate level of horniness in front of children. <laughs> That's right. You could not we watch want, a movie together. We want to establish that the, the, the Calabar is telling these kids, we are going to hook up. I'm yeah. going to bang your mom. I'm going to bang your mom. We are going to bump uglies and it is going to be like old times. Like, welcome back. Because uh, the kids notice that something's up. They're not like... Oh, for sure. They're looking at each other like, Calabar and mom, what, 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 what? And it's Doesn't like, one of them say like, I'm not going to call him dad? Like yeah. there, there is Dylan, some like... Dylan says that. Yeah, there's <laughs> some like, I, you know, I'm not going to call him dad. You know, like... They which don't is, get it, well, but they get it. And we have Gwen ask Calabar for a favor to get her and her kids home. And Calabar, I got other shit I got to take care of. So you're kind of... You're kind of boned on that right now. Sorry. He wishes. Yeah. He mm-hmm. does. Nice. Uh, and another he, thread of these decomps. I mean, last time it was Val and Brink, and now it's Calbar and Gwen. It, this, uh, this, this unsatisfying sexual tension in these movies is right. uh, it must be must be just there to keep the parents around. Yeah, why are we excluding Lucky Lucky and Jack from this? Calabar exits stage left very quickly, and we have a meeting between Gwen and... uh, No, so so Gwen, Marnie all get together. They leave the mayor's office. But what we learn is while they were in the mayor's office, Luke had gone to Aggie and had said, Hey, if you want to know where the villain is, I can take you to the villain. Which seems like a very convenient bit of plot work trickery here. There's a lot of convenient plot trickery coming up. Oh, yeah. Everything. We've talked a lot about pacing. I think the pacing of this movie is fine, but it is nothing but convenient from here oh, on. They are I mean, there is the issue. It is. Yeah. There's a lot of shit that doesn't make any sense yep. from yep. here on out. It just uh, yeah. so many question marks. <laughs> and you know what makes that shit even more confusing, Max? It happens in a montage. So anyway, but before we get to our the weirdest montage that we've seen to date, Luke takes Aggie to this abandoned th- this to movie, the movie theater. theater. And as they enter, what do they see? But all of the residents who have disappeared thus far are now sitting yeah. frozen in the seats. And as Aggie makes her way down the aisle to the very front of this theater, we get a vortex of magic, which is beautifully rendered in 1998. And we have this cloaked figure appear and begin to have a shout shouting conversation with Aggie in which we find that what he is looking for is the talisman of Merlin that apparently Aggie has. And we've not heard about yet. That has been, yeah. Aggie apparently has Merlin's talisman. He needs that to take control of the, the uh, rest of Halloween Town and the world. I think we all probably have the same note. It's obviously the fucking mayor. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he. I I I didn't write the note because I remember how this movie ends. But yes, <laughs> yeah, that, that <laughs> is, I. Like, 
don't think I did because I, no, yeah. I, I couldn't, I didn't remember who the villain was, but I didn't trust the mayor immediately. And then in this scene, it was like, yeah, that, okay. Yeah. 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 He's so we, we know villain definitely not Calabar is, is having the shouting match with Aggie. Marnie noticed Aggie and Luke walking together or was told one of the two was told that they were walking together towards the theater and the kids and Gwen enter just as magic begins to pop off. And we see Gwen and Aggie get hit with that magic and become frozen very quickly. Yeah, I missed that part where Marnie saw it because to be honest, when they bust in, I was like, how the hell did they know the hero here? <laughs> like, I, I, I was like, I don't understand. Like, you were just with the mayor and now you are popping into the most convenient place for you to be in the right moment. Max, it was yeah. in the script. It was in the script. They read the script. This makes sense, actually. You know what? Yeah. That adds up. Uh, the last bit of uh, information that they get from Aggie is that like, you have to make the, you have to save Halloween town. She, she comes in very clutch with the exposition under pressure. Oh, for she's sure. like, she's literally she's freezing seconds away from being frozen, but she does get out the, her last lines are the most crucial instructions on what to do to save the, the Halloween town. And she's yeah. yeah, she's like, make the potion, light the pumpkin, go. Get, yeah, get, actually, I think it's just make the potion. I don't even think she said. She yeah, said they don't the say beacon. light the pumpkin because that's another one that doesn't make any sense in just a moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, that but doesn't make they, any sense. They do establish in this scene Luke's great surprise that Aggie is hurt. He, he oh, yeah. shares like, I he just told me he wanted the talisman. I didn't think they would get hurt. And I'm like, please see theater full of people that are frozen <laughs> statues what about this is surprising to you 13 year old child like mm. but that has to be said because it's going to come back later luke they they show luke being kind of surprised or betrayed in this moment so that at the end of the movie he can have his redemption moment yeah he's got to have this in order to be redeemed it's yeah, I just think it's very interesting that the villain, who, again, we don't know who that is yet, has recruited a 13-year-old henchman of as, course. His, as his number one guy. Yeah, that's kind of, that's so, not great. No matter of how all of the it. people in Halloween Town. You, you got know, a 13-year-old troll. Yeah. You know, yeah. 13 year olds are notoriously reliable. They're notoriously right. mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. self-aware. They're notoriously think through their plans. I don't see how this could go wrong. Oh, absolutely. Correct. For sure. So now is when we get the montage. Yeah. They have to go collect all the ingredients for the potion. And do you remember what they are? There's sweat from a ghost. It is sweat of a ghost, hair of a werewolf, and a vampire's fang. And boy, are they lucky that a vampire was getting his tooth pulled that day at the dentist. A ghost was at a a sweat, like was at the gym and was going to a sauna. Yep. And then that there's a werewolf hairdresser. That's right. All of these things are, they are lucky ooh, that ooh, all I, of those things are happening. I Here's did a, make a note. Wow, it is far easier than one would expect to secure every single ingredient on this obscure <laughs> list. <laughs> it is incredible. So here's a here's a fun fact that actually surprised me about this particular breakdown of the scenes, right? According to Kimberly J. Brown, the flaming hairdryer that Marnie picks up, actually a flamethrower practical huh like it was a practical prop that actually shot flames which is i don't know how i feel about that i guess good maybe but like that's a child with a flamethrower yeah, i think it's fine I, I i mean i think it's cool that it's practical that now that did result in all of the budget going to that practical effect and <laughs> and people walking around with i, I mean I, masks i think that they bought out a spirit halloween for this movie and it was, and, it was november well, first the year before and disney's right. like we got something yeah we need this yeah. Yeah, they we're gonna clean spirit, out yeah. this spirit halloween but they only have masks and no 
no makeup. It <laughs> I is. Think, I kind of thought that the tech where the ghost was in the sweat box was okay. Yeah. Like I, I was like, that's pretty good, especially compared to the party city masks. Like, sure. I thought yeah. that effect oh, was not speaking, not yeah. terrible. I think all of the the money is on the screen in the theater, in the ghost scene, and in that flamethrower. Like yep. that's all and, of the money in the whole movie. And yep. paying Debbie Reynolds. And paying Debbie Reynolds. We we know where their budget went. Uh, so they get all of these ingredients. They go back to Aggie's house, and they need to brew the potion. And they and I think Aggie drops this little line previously where she says, "It had, takes at least two witches to be able to complete this brew." So. It's great, you know, for plot reasons that we have both Marnie and Sophie there uh, as fully realized witches, one being 13, the other being six, to be able to complete this potion together. Well, and Sophie's the one that figures out how to do it. Marnie oh, yeah. can't she remembers how to pronounce. the spell. Yeah, yeah. She, she can't remember the spell. Let's also be super clear. Marnie's a terrible witch. That's true. Marnie's a terrible witch. That's true. Sophie carries the Cromwell name. Marnie yeah. should not have that title. Marnie is notoriously bad at this. At this stage. Again, sure. I've never seen any of the Halloween town, but... It's sort of interesting because Marnie's so much older, but it's almost like Marnie's powers have been repressed for all these years. Like, if Sophie's, I don't know how old she is, five or six or whatever, it's like, it seems like that her powers are just blossoming, that, you know, the cookies are moving. And they talk about like, yeah, that stuff used to happen with you, Marnie. Like, yeah. you used to do those things Sophie is doing, but we've sort of like beat that down. We beat it out of you, you know? <laughs> and so now you're 13 <laughs> on the cusp of losing your powers yeah. and you're way behind. Whereas like Sophie is having this like blossoming of powers that hasn't been repressed yet. And so it just seems like this is the age where those signs start showing and she's more in touch with it. Whereas Marnie's been more separated. I, right. I did write though. You didn't do shit, Marnie. Cause oh, Marnie, yeah, she Marnie clearly can't remember the spell. Sophie clearly can. And then when the spell works, Marnie goes, I did it. No, you didn't. Right. We did it. So yeah. I, I, I mean, we did it. No, right. you didn't. Yeah, it took, you didn't it took do multiple anything. people, Marnie. So they complete this. They complete the spell, the incantation for this potion. Pour it into the talisman that then lights. So Which it is. Looks, it is active and work. It looks like a bubble wand. Oh, it is from a bubble the wand. Magic Kingdom. One hundred percent. They got that from Disneyland. It was that was a free bit of donation for them to use. That they just retrofitted with a light bulb. Now they don't know what to do with it. They have they it go lit, back to the theater. Yeah. So they just go back to the theater. They don't and, know. And what the to next do. moment of convenience, which is hilarious a hilarious scene to me and also a convenient scene because as they get to the theater realizing like they're like waving it o across their mom and grandma nothing is working something else has to be done and this is the moment where conveniently marnie thinks you remember what grandma said that humans are just mirroring what we will do and she looks at it and she suddenly knows to put it in a jack-o-lantern and all i could think was like what about this thing looks like a candle, which is like I thought the same what thing people put in jack lanterns. But the actual thing that I thought was this scene is shot mul clearly multicam because we have shots of just Marnie and shots of like all different stuff. But there is a shot that is Marnie and either Dylan or Sophie with grandma in the background as Marnie is explaining like humans, <laughs> me or whatever. And grandma is just moving. 
like <laughs> supposed to be frozen. Grandma is just waggling her hand in the air. And I'm like, maybe use a different cut. Like what? Uh, like, just, like, maybe don't, don't use the one where the frozen statue is wiggling her hand around. Like clear movement from Debbie Reynolds in the background. And I also thought grandma's frozen with her hand pointing. And I was like, oh, she's going to be pointing at a jack-o'-lantern, <laughs> which will get them. To, oh, we need to put it in the jack When she got frozen, she froze pointing at the sign that we... No, they just have an epiphany and they go to put the light in the jack-o'-lantern while Grandma the Frozen Statue is clearly moving on screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I didn't even notice that. I didn't even that. notice that. Oh, that's, that's good. so good. So... Marnie runs out into town square where conveniently there is a massive pumpkin in the middle of town square. Also conveniently, the icon. icon. Yeah. Also conveniently, this is when Calabar chooses to reveal himself. Number one, reveal himself from being a demon to being Calabar. And then also monologuing. I love one of villain monologues, big Voldemort, pure blood vibes from this guy. And I couldn't help but notice all of this is basically because Gwen wouldn't, wouldn't have sex with him again. This is a milady tip the fedora moment for sure. This like, is all because Gwen, he like basically says like, you could have stopped this Yeah. to Gwen. And I'm like, okay, Severus Snape, like yeah. chill out, bro. She rejected you. You don't have to, you don't have to do this. You don't have to take yeah. over a whole town just because you, you got rejected. Yeah, this is a nice guy moment for sure. Yeah. And the fact that Gwen is not awake for this, nor is Aggie. He's yelling it at her kids. He's yelling it at her children, which is projection in the worst way. And then as he sees Marnie approaching the jack-o'-lantern, the massive pumpkin with this strange bubble wand of light, begins to attack children. Begins to try to... Also, it it should be noted, in this speech... The citizens of Halloween Town are a bit too okay with the plan. Yeah, they're on board. They are. They are. They're kind of. They kind of agree. Is what I, you know. They. He's yeah. He's basically Voldemort being like, "We should rule the world, not just Halloween Town. Only magical witches and wizards and blah 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 should like take over the world because we're better than everybody else." And everybody. And everybody's like, "Sounds like that's like, pretty good." You know what? I kind of am buying what you're selling, you know, like, I, <laughs> and it's important to note that here, as soon as Cal, like, as soon as we get to the ending of the film, there is a clear U-turn that happens yeah. very quickly. The townspeople oh, yeah. are very easy manipulated. I didn't do, I didn't do nothing to nobody. Like, he literally is like, because your mom wouldn't marry me, this is happening. And it's, and like, everybody's like, actually, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yep. That adds up. So, she married a mortal. How could yeah, she? God, what a terrible. You lock them up. Like, yeah, right. So Calibur begins to attack the attack Dylan, attack Sophie, and attack Marnie as she is climbing on top of Jack Lander and Luke, right? Who got a redeeming moment? He came to Marnie. He said, "I'll help." He put on the cloak. He took the first few shots that bought her the time to get to the Jack Lantern before Calibur tried to uh, murder children. Yeah. To be clear, Calibar attempted to murder children. Yep. That's right. And everybody again in the town's like, okay. Totally cool. Yeah. Nobody's trying to stop. They're all like, yeah, all right. Yeah. It sounds good. (laughs) They're they're only half Halloween townians anyway. Right. Like they're, they're the bloods. They're the mud bloods of Halloween town. (laughs) So Marnie has climbed atop the jack-o'-lantern is freezing. And then before she loses consciousness, drops this bubble wand, which in a, 
I mean, just chef's kiss of a perfect drop onto where it needs to go. I mean, which which Star Wars opens that exact same way? Where the bomb falls? Is that what we're talking about? She, she, yeah, she's like... As she's dying, Rose's sister, as she's dying on the ship, she she, releases the bombs. She, like, catches the clicker and shoots it, like, right in the nick of time. It's It's the last Jedi. I mean, I I don't want to say that, you know... Ryan. Ryan Johnson watched this film and was like that's good this is his inspiration you think he could be a big halloween town maybe a huge halloween town fan yeah might be this i i I was incredibly confused when you were like which star wars starts that way and i was like with a jack-o-lantern i was like with a lightsaber like i'm trying to make the parallel here but i got the halloween special from star wars yeah we got there (laughs) yeah the holiday special but for halloween yeah absolutely my favorite part of this whole thing and this is a classic villain trope not only in decoms but this happens in like major action films is of course you know the lighting the jack-o'-lantern brings everybody back he's still there but now all these people have come back that have been uh unfrozen including mom and grandma and they come out and they're hugging and they're like oh thank god you did it blah 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 he just lets them hug he just stands there no action taken he's just like all right do your thing like that literally happens in endgame I got to monologue. Now you can. <laughs> like, right. Thanos, it's only fair. Thanos sits there and watches all those people come out of the portal and right. doesn't no, attack. He doesn't attack the portal. The, like, yeah, that looks like a pretty good bottleneck for us to bomb. Like, yeah, <laughs> he, no. just, he just sits there <laughs> and watches all genius. of all of like the Wakandan soldiers walk out and every you know Doctor Strange's crew. They all come out and I mean, obviously, like one of the best moments in cinematic history. But like, I always do. But think, Halloween like, Town Thanos, did it first. Bro. So that's right. Halloween Town did it. First. Halloween Town did it first. <laughs> what we're learning today is that both Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe have a lot of homage to pay to, <laughs> to Halloween, Halloween Town. Town. Yeah. You know what? The impact of this movie has been felt far beyond its reach. I, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And I just think it's nice that he like sits there and lets them hug. I agree. Uh, they they a need a moment. Calabar has been struck by this magic that has come out of the jack-o'-lantern. He's weakened. Let's a moment happen. All these people come back. But here's the kicker. As the Cromwell witches and Dylan are together... He gets ends up getting Merlin's talisman. He ends up so getting the how? object of his desire from Aggie Cromwell. Yeah. But then the family works together. And the big reveal, Dylan. He's a warlock. Is a warlock. Because he has sparkle fingers. He has blue hands. Just are they blue? I'm making like an assumption. Purplish, bluish, sparkle right. finger. I'm and close it, enough. It takes all of them together as a family they're not doing it without dylan dylan has to be there they need all of them their powers combined and then they all captain planet yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) whose heart larry vaughn the mayor of jaws (laughs) (laughs) the mayor of amity island so they they come together they confront calabar they use their powers combined defeat him well they do a, a really wonderful spell which is Hum. Yeah, yeah. They they do some ohms. Hum. hum. <laughs> yeah, some 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 ohms in a nice harmonic scale. Calabar is defeated, and a little bit of a, a fun after effect of Calabar's defeat is that Luke has returned to his goblin appearance. Yeah, and I love that they shoved in this last minute subplot about how looks don't matter. Well, right, and and that you know none of it was worth it because Marty wouldn't go out with him. As if he hadn't just met Marnie an hour ago. Yeah. The he whole- made this decision to change his appearance and work for Calabar seemingly weeks ago in Halloween Town time because people have been disappearing. And now it wasn't worth it because you wouldn't date me. 
you you didn't even know each other. You made yeah. this decision literally weeks ago. You had no idea Marnie existed. He made the deal with the devil. Didn't work out, which we could all predicted. But as you said, he says it's all not worth it. And then she says something like, I like you better this way, yeah. which is the payoff of the last minute subplot that looks don't matter. That's right. And I like how they just wedge that into the last 47 seconds of the movie. That's right. It doesn't matter that you worked with seemingly uh, a Hitler parallel. I forgive you because you did one good thing. And are lying to my face right now that it was all because of me. That's right, right, because he had no idea who you were. That that makes That's no sense to me. Correct. Uh, so the, the film ends with a family moment where Gwen and Aggie reconcile and Gwen invites Aggie to cross the plains, space and time, whatever that strange bit of nightmare fuel transition cut is, to stay with them at their house forever. Oh, and now, now Gwen is good with Marty being trained as a witch. Because she's going to do her training. Yeah. And Aggie's Which means Gwen is fine with herself being a witch, I guess. This is a big, big 180. I it just doesn't, it would be so easy to write two lines of dialogue that tie up Gwen's deal with Halloween Town, and they just don't acknowledge it. I have a question too. So we are to understand that Aggie is going to go live with them full time. Yeah. And that Marnie is going to be a witch now. Yes. Uh-huh. Both can, of those are true. can you be a witch in the human world? Like, why are they not living in Halloween Town? Because we saw we saw Aggie do magic in the human world. They turned the chicken yeah, to chickens. It, yeah, but it's it kind it, of feels like a Harry Potter thing where you can't like show the muggles. I, I think it is that. I think it's that exactly. But they're making a choice between like, well, you can only cross over once a year. I guess you're just going to have to stay. Right. Like they, they still, Gwen will not live in Halloween Town. I agree that it would be easier to bring the family to Halloween Town. For sure. But Gwen hates Halloween Town I for an unspecified reason. I just don't see how her training is going to be that effective if she can't, like... How, how is she going to get werewolf hair? How is she going to learn how to fly a broom if she can only fly in the house? Where will she find a vampire fang? Right. Conveniently, again, these things are not going to be there. It's going to be tough. So because I just, if you go to Party City and you buy that vampire fang, I don't think that bruise is going to turn out. I just feel like if if someone was going to teach me all about the culture of Spain uh-huh. and the choices, you can live here in the United States and learn about Spain, or you can live in Spain to learn about Spain. It feels yeah. like I should live in Spain. Yeah, I'm going to pick Spain in that one. I, I, think, I think we all agree that it would make a lot more sense for the family to relocate to Halloween Town, especially because... Gwen has unresolved resentment. Yeah. And I do, I will say this. I hope it gets addressed in the sequel. That's oh, yeah. true. Like, no I, have two more I have town. no idea. I've never seen these sequels. And I, I am legitimately hopeful that at some point we explain what's going on and why Gwen won't go to Halloween Right, town. because we have Halloween Town 2, Halloween Town 3, and Halloween Town High. So I think we actually yeah. have three sequels. And I don't want to spoiler alert anything, but the second one is Calabar's Revenge. So we're not done. Oh, we're not with done with Calabar. We're not done with Calabar. Oh, yeah. wow. We get to get some more of that high school sweetheart angst. Wow, that's yeah, going to be great. Yeah, we get more of the night. why did nice guys finish last. Yeah, that's anger. right. Ooh, hate that. So, everyone, Molly, Max, that's Halloween Town, number one. How do we feel after watching this? I, I mean, I'll just tell you how I feel. I think, like, this, 
I can see why this has become a bit of a cult classic in terms of decoms, right? I think I can understand that just having watched it. I think it appeals to a lot of the same sort of nostalgic heartstring factors um, that a lot of Disney movies do. I'm not saying it's the best movie ever made, but I can see why people like it. I, uh, it's got an iconic world. I think right. that I, I think that it is very like it feels unique. The costumes are ridiculous, oh, but like they do have a certain like it's kind of campy. fun Halloweeny. It's campy and like it feels fun. It's very seasonal. I think that as a once a year rewatch, this is definitely the right vibes for yeah, a Halloween movie. Uh, I I totally get it. Yeah, there are two bits of trivia that I want to share with you before we get to our ratings, because I do think like Halloween Town has actually the film has actually had a pretty big effect on on the the world, really. And, or the, and, and I think a lot of people love this film. Number one, Marnie, Dylan and Sophie were named after writer Paul Bettenbaum's children. Well, that's nice. Oh, so that's kind of neat. And the second is St. Helens, Oregon is actually where the original Halloween Town was filmed. And they they love having tourists there because they celebrate a month-long spirit of Halloween Town event in October and welcome people who allow fans of the movies to explore the town where they recreate parts of the film, parts of the set. And actually they were gifted, you know, that jack-o'-lantern where Marnie surreptitiously throws the torch. I think they were gifted that jack-o'-lantern prop and they have that on display every year. I just that's pulled it up. very cool. And they, yeah, they have it outside of City Hall. That's very cool. That, it, I mean, like that's if that's I not a. Like, I would like to go there. Should we? Do I, an we should Oregon go there. Trip. I would like to go there. I are. We, did we just make an agreement? Do we have an accord where we will go and visit this Spirit of Halloween Town event? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not promising the next two months, but you know, we got two years of podcasts going. And we can do so it at any time. I'm. You know, I'm looking. I, yes, I would like to go there. This Let's is very funny. That's very cool, right? So, okay, so we've already got that agreed to. We're gonna go. There's a haunted house. Oh my Sorry, God, I'm, I'm now gonna... down a water hole looking about down a water what hole? you can what you can do at the Halloween Town event. Yeah, they have the city hall. They have a house. They've got uh, a train where you can meet characters on a trail. Mm. A, a big puzzle around town. That's cool. All kinds of fun things. Yeah, I, I think we should do this we for should, sure. We should. So, but let's rate the film. I've got a couple of IMDb reviews. That I, the, unsurprisingly, it is mostly very high ratings. There is one one, but it is so painfully long that I'm not going to bore you with it. I do have one that's a great 10 that I want to read you just because I think it's funny. But let's do our ratings, right? I think, Max, you kicked it off last week with Brink. So, Molly, what's your rating for Halloween Town? No, you kick it off. You haven't gone first yet. Oh, okay. I would put Halloween Town, if five is my average, I think I'm going to put Halloween Town as like a 7.5. I think Halloween Town is a really, really good film. I, I shouldn't say good. I think it's just a good decom. I can understand why it's called classic. As you said, Max, it is a unique world. It is a world that feels like it could be built on. It exists with a purpose. And I just think it's fun. I can understand why people enjoy this movie. I can understand why it did become a tradition. Uh, I think some of the plot points are ridiculous, but they're ridiculous in a way that's funny. It's campy, right? So I'm going to give it a 7.5. I'm going to go a little lower and go like a 7.3. I struggle because I I know we shouldn't compare everything to everything else, um, but I want to leave room for for growth, for improvement. We've got some really good movies coming. And if I go too high here, then how am I going to go? You know, you got to be able to go up. But yeah, I think it's really fun. I'm very surprised I'm ranking this higher than Brink because going into this, I thought Brink would end up being much higher as it was one of my favorites as a kid. But yeah, I think this is a fun, campy Halloween film. And uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think this movie is good. I, again, am, am not surprised it's an iconic Halloween classic for folks. I think that... 
my my main issue with Brink last episode was that I, I just don't I think they didn't do any service to the main character and he was really hard to root for. I think the the main cast of characters in this movie are fun. I think that yeah. Marnie and Dylan and Sophie are a good balance of each other. I think that they have a great narrator or or world driver um, with Aggie. I, my biggest problem with this movie is the un, like all of the unresolved stuff with Gwen and, and I don't understand. I don't think it would be hard to solve. Like, I just don't think it would be a tough <laughs> solution to, to help me understand the resentment there. All that said, I think it's a really good decom. I think it's definitely the best one we've seen so far. And, uh, and I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go a seven dot six. Uh, I will read for you one of the 10 out of 10 ratings on uh, on IMDb. This is from the 10th of August of 2021. And it is, every October, my family and I watch the Halloween Town series. So they watch all of them. I wish they would use this as a theme at Halloween Horror Nights. At Halloween Horror Nights? <laughs> I don't know that you've been to that event, reviewer. <laughs> Horror Nights. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, I will say this. This part of the park is gone, but it would have been cool to see a like Streets of America Halloween Town. That would have been yeah, cool. That I could that, definitely see them working Halloween Town into a Disney themed Halloween. That was event. actually my yeah. follow up question. Is like, if it, uh, obviously it can't be Halloween Horror Nights for a number of reasons, mainly IP, right? It's Universal versus Disney. But let's even pretend that that's not a problem and that it's Disney and Universal film, are, right? are sharing. That's not the tone. Still, of the maybe event. not the tone of Halloween Horror yeah. Nights. Yeah, maybe it doesn't hit that. Yeah. It doesn't ring true. I'm going to be what going you, into a halloween theme house later this year and as i was reading some of the other original concepts for the houses there's one where you're going into a subway where there are things trying to murder you before you get out and the deeper you go the more depraved the uh creatures become so i don't know that this fits the vibe you don't think that you could see calabar in a house in in a movie theater there was a texas chainsaw massacre house last year that smelled like burning flesh so i'm just gonna say this i will say a whole house of miladies might be the most terrifying <laughs> house of all. <laughs> Wait, now we're talking. Now we're talking. So Calabar is just one part of the theme. We just find all the miladies possible. Yeah, that's right. That if, that's right. true. If I was going to create a Halloween Horror Nights house of actual things I'm afraid of, I think that a milady gentleman would make an appearance once or that's twice. Right. Oh, that's yeah. right. It would be like Ooh, people yeah. I went to high school with, SCOTUS, and like <laughs> milady. <laughs> milady, milady guys. And that would be the scariest house of all time. Yeah, because yeah. in places, it's just the reality. Yeah, so that was gonna actually going to be my question is where do you think that the Halloween Town series would fit if you were to put it in the park? So Max, uh, you, you mentioned Streets I mean, of it's gone. Streets of America is gone, but I do think, you know, I'm just always... Uh, I'm always looking back on how poorly utilized that part of the park was. Yeah, and true. everybody just, anytime it gets brought up is like, but Osborne. And I'm like, great. So 10 months out of the year, it was useless. And two months <laughs> out of the year, it was really great. Like it could have been cool if it was, if they had made streets into the seasonal area been- of studios and they had Halloween town into Osborne, that would be cool. You know, that like, would have been very cool, especially because everyone tends to go to magic kingdom for Nick Mickey's not so scary on right. Halloween, but not everybody wants to go to a ticketed event so it would have been cool if they had trick-or-treating or something seasonal over at studios for that time of year um, if you wanted to experience halloween at disney but you didn't want to pay the premium to go to magic kingdom absolutely because i was thinking it, uh, not streets of america but i also put it in studios i was like what if you just put sunset 
but Sunset Boulevard into a Halloween Town vibe. Yeah, right. I, I mean, studios makes the most sense because it feels the most right. human. Like it feels, right. uh, it doesn't make sense in one of the Epcot countries. And outside of that, like studios is the most real life setting of a, of a Disney park. Um, I do think that there's opportunity at Springs. Honestly, Ooh, I think you could true. do kind of a cool Halloween town thing at, at Springs as well. And I will say Disney's still currently marketing. I guess they're not DCOMs anymore. They're Disney plus movies, but I do yeah. believe Disney categorizes them in the same genre. No, they're still called DCOMs. Yeah. Cause at Mickey's not so scary Halloween party, they had hocus pocus two stuff and they had a whole dance party with the zombies characters. Mm. So it's not like Disney's not, I mean, I know those are coming out or have come out recently. So they're trying to promote their new thing, but it's not like DCOMs an original, uh, Disney straight to TV, straight to streaming service videos. Uh, can't make an appearance. They have precedent. True. So bring Halloween Town. Exactly. Exactly. Well, good. I think that'd be great. Well, that has been Halloween Town. What do we got next? I think it's. I think it's Xenon. It's our Xenon. I'm pretty stoked about. I'm oh. very excited about Xenon. Where our name comes from. Uh, excited for some protozoa. I am ready. <laughs> zoom, zoom. I am ready to dive into I will, Xenon. I will admit this right now. I have never, ever back oh. to front seen Xenon. What? I have seen it. In, I am so jealous have, that you get to watch this for your first time. I have seen it in pieces, right? I've seen, I think like the middle, the middle quarter and then the end, but I've not oh, ever it watched it so back to good. front. Make my heart go boom, 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 boom. My supernova girl, 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 girl. Well, this is I'm also part it. of a, you know, we're, we're starting to get where decoms and like songs are going to start playing more and more <laughs> right. when, when they're going to start marketing bands with decoms, like the bewitched feature in smart house. And, uh, yeah. I'm, this is also I'm, when, this is also when we get Raven. This era. Yeah. yeah. Raven Simone. Raven makes an appearance here. Yep. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be super exciting. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the pod. Please make sure rate and review. That really helps us support this podcast. If you enjoyed it, um, follow us on socials at Mammoth Club, on Instagram, on TikTok. Check us out. And until next time, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Make my, my heart, heart go, go boom, 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 my supernova girl.